are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, please visit GoCentralChurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Ethan Crowder. Well, good morning. It is good to see you. What an exciting Sunday uh, it has already been. Um, you know, I don't, uh, my name's Ethan, I get to be the pastor here if we haven't met. It's good uh, uh, to see you today. Um, I don't, uh, numbers don't really motivate me. I, in fact, I don't pay attention to a lot of the numbers that, uh, that we, uh, we track here at Central, but w- there's one number that I do pay attention to, and that's our baptism numbers, because I want to know, are we making disciples? Are, are, we, uh, are we reaching people? And so, um, in the last six months, we've baptized 40 people, and 30 of those baptisms have come in May and June alone. Um, so by the end of today, uh, we will have baptized uh, our 40th person in the next, uh, the next service. And here's what excites me about that as well is, uh, so every, every kid that we baptized this morning, whether we're in this service or the next service, every that boy or that girl, they have met one-on-one or two-on-one uh, with Mary Eppel, our kids director, and their parents, and they've walked through, all right, what is, what is the gospel? Uh, who is Jesus? What does baptism mean? And so I'm super excited about what the Lord is doing. And so if you're new here, uh, if you want to be a part of a church where the Lord's doing great things, I hope that you'll consider uh, plugging in here at Central because he is, uh, he is on the move. And I'm excited about that. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and absolutely praise the Lord. Uh, go ahead and uh, meet me in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, Exodus 20 uh, is where we're going to be. We've uh, been here over the last several weeks. We're started a series a few weeks ago uh, where we're just walking through the Ten Commandments, kind of command uh, by command, and to just see uh, what would the Lord say to us today uh, through each of these commands. And so uh, this morning we come to verse 12 uh, to the fifth command. You know, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, when it comes to uh, this command in particular, uh, there's something about it that can feel basic. There's something about the Ten Commandments that, that can seem basic, but basic doesn't always mean easy. Right, we think of things like basic training, which isn't to be easy. If I were to stand before you today and say, we are going to do basic calculus, some of us would scratch our heads. I don't even know what calculus is, right? I just know that it is hard. Or if I were to ask you to, to speak to me in basic Japanese, maybe you could do it, maybe you couldn't, but what we know is that all languages are difficult to learn. In fact, even to just get a basic understanding of a new language, it takes somewhere between a year and three years, depending on, uh, on who you are and how you learn languages. And so we come to the fifth command this morning to honor your father and your mother. And there's something about that that feels basic. But what we know is that basic isn't always easy is it? And so as we look at Exodus 20, verse 12, and we we look at this fifth command, uh, we're going to see this truth this morning. Here's what this command is teaching us, is that honoring your father and mother is a command that never expires. 
Honoring your father and mother is a command that never expires. This means that no matter what age or what stage you are, whether you are a middle school or high school student, whether you're an elementary school student, or whether your parents have gone to be with Jesus, this command to honor your father and mother is a command that never expires. So let me invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's perfect and precious word here in Exodus 20. Uh, Look at verse 12. We'll have it on the screen. Uh, Let me invite you to read this together with me. Uh, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is God's word. You can be seated. I had the first service read it twice because my kids were here. I wanted to make sure that they they got it. Um, So uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, thank you that you are a God who speaks. And Father, thank you that you have, speaking, you have spoken through your word and that you speak still. And Father, we pray now that you would speak to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, honoring your father and mother is a command that never expires. And as we look here at verse 12, first we see this, we see the command we obey. The, the command we obey. Now understand this, and this is true with this command, it's true with the other of the Ten Commandments, is that these commandments are not recommendations. They are not suggestions. So it's not as if the Lord is saying, hey, I would recommend for a happy family, or here is an idea to explore. You should try honoring your father and your mother. No, this is a command. It's not a suggestion, it is a command that we have been commanded to honor our father and mother. Now, each of these 10 commandments, each week, we've we've been reminding ourselves of this truth because I think it's important to help us understand uh, how the 10 commandments work. Uh, So the 10 commandments can be divided uh, into what we call the two tables of the law. The first four commands deal with uh, how we relate to one another, uh, our relationships, or or sorry, how we relate to God, our relationships to the Father. The last six commands deal with our relationships with one another. And so the first four commands, we have things like, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You should remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, here we have a change in the Ten Commandments, and now there's a a change from focusing on our relationship with God to focusing to our relationship with others. And so this first command bridges that gap. Now, it's not just as we read this that we divide the, the commands, we divide the law this way ourselves. This wasn't our idea. In fact, Jesus is the one who showed us this division. If you were to look at Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40, you would find this. We'll have it on the screen for you. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus 
He shows that the first command is to love the Lord your God with all that you are. The second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. And here we see that the beginning of neighbor love, the the beginning of loving your neighbor is by honoring your mother and your father. In fact, this command is the basic command that the, the rest of the Ten Commandments that this second table of the law are built off of. If you get this wrong, you'll struggle with the rest of the commandments. Right, if, you, if you get this wrong, if you, you don't understand what it means to honor your father and your mother, then it will be very difficult for you to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the command here, honor your father and your mother, the command can really be summarized in one word, can't it? Honor. What does it mean to honor? This word carries the idea of treating someone with proper respect because of who they are and because of what they do. One commentator says that this includes things like reverence and obedience and gratitude. The application here is obvious, isn't it? That we are to honor our parents. In fact, what we see throughout the scripture is that uh, the Lord takes this command very seriously. And there's, there's severe punishment uh, for those who fail to honor their mother and father. In, in the Old Testament law, if we were to, to look at Exodus uh, chapter 21, uh, we would read where anyone who, whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Uh, honoring your father and your mother was a big deal in Israel, a big deal for Israel and As we see here, it should be a big deal for us. Now, there's this obvious application that that we should honor our parents, but there's a less obvious application. I think this is implied in this passage, and it's this. Be parents who are easy to honor. Be parents who are easy to honor. It's one thing, amen, it's it's one thing for us to, uh, to, to tell our kids, hey, You've got to honor me because I told you to, right? It's one thing for, uh, for us to say, uh, honor me. Sometimes we use this verse as a get out of jail free card, don't we? Right, that, that we might mess up as parents and our first thought is we've well, got to honor me, right? If you want to live a long life is what the Bible says, right? You, you've got to honor me. But, but I wonder if we make honoring us easy. Do we make it more difficult than it needs to be? So, so how, do you, how do you make it easy for your children to honor you? Well, just a couple weeks ago, we wrapped up a series in Ephesians, and we actually looked at a passage in Ephesians 6 where Paul quotes this command. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus says, don't make your children sin, that, that anyone who who makes a child sin, that there's punishment and there's judgment coming from them. And so we make it easy to honor ourselves. We make it easy for kids to honor parents as we recognize that that we aren't perfect, right? As we recognize that, that we need grace just as they do. And understand this, that when we make it hard for our children to honor us, that we are in danger of causing them to sin. We're in danger of leading them to break this command. And so we, we see in this passage that there's a command that we obey, but, but next we see this is that there's a promise that we receive. There's a promise that we receive. This is an obviously serious command. This is the, the first command dealing with our relationships with others. 
It's interesting, right, that the, the Lord could have started out dealing with relationships with others with any command, but he starts here with mothers and fathers. But we also see the seriousness of this command because it's the first command with a promise. Look at verse 12. He says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Remember where we are in the history of Israel. Israel has just been freed from slavery. They've seen the Lord do great and wonderful and mighty things. He's delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. They've, they've crossed through sea as if it's dry ground. They have, uh, they have been given manna that rains down from heaven. They've been promised that the Lord is taking them to this promised land. And here's the truth is that whenever God promises to give you anything, you can take it to the bank, it's settled. It is guaranteed. They know they'll get there eventually. But here, the Lord offers them something better than just life in the land. He says their days can be long in the land if they will honor their fathers and mothers. Now understand that this promise, it's not just a promise for a long life. But I have told my kids, hey, if you wanna live long, clean your room when I tell you to, right? Uh, that, and I didn't make that up. God said it, right? Uh, if you want to live a long life, then take the trash out when daddy tells you to. Um, but this, this command, this promise, it's not just a promise for a long life. No, it, it's actually so much more than that. It's the promise of God's presence and favor in their individual lives. So understand this, no matter what age you are, if you do not honor your mother and your father, you are robbing yourself of God's presence and God's blessing in your life. It's interesting that God places such value on this command, isn't it? I wonder why. Why does he do that? I think one answer is that the way we relate to our parents ultimately teaches us and translates to the way that we relate to our God. See, the first earthly picture that we have of God is our fathers. This is why fathers are so important. Fathers can be a great blessing. Fathers can also cause a lot of damage. The fathers are important because they, they teach their children, whether for good or for bad, something about who God is and what he is like. And yet there's also this responsibility for children, no matter what their fathers are like or no matter what their mothers are like, to honor their parents. And see, as we love and honor our parents, we learn in part what it means to love and to honor our Heavenly Father. It's impossible to love and honor God without loving and honoring our parents. Maybe, maybe you've heard it said that the way that a son treats his mother is the way that he will treat his wife one day. This is why I try to teach my boys to, to love and to honor their mom. And they know that the first reason that they are to love and to honor their mom is because she's my wife and she's more important than they are. But there's a second reason why I want them to love and honor their mom is because I recognize that I'm not just raising sons, I'm raising husbands. Right? And I want them to know what it means to love and to honor their wives one day. In the same way, we love and we honor our parents, even when it's hard, even when they don't deserve it. When we do that, we see in part what it means to love and to honor our heavenly father. 
Right? We learn what it means to love in a way that we cannot learn in any other way. So we see in this passage the, the command we obey and the promise we receive. And finally, we see this, the grace that we need. The grace we need. Uh, here's an important thing to remember about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are not just commands. They are teaching us something. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, Paul tells the Galatians that the God's law, and the ESV it says is a guardian. I think a, a better translation that really captures what Paul is saying there and captures the spirit of that word is that the law is our tutor. The law is our schoolmaster is the way some translation, translations put it. That the law is leading us. The law is teaching us something. Here's what the law is teaching us. The law is teaching us who we are to be and the grace that we need. See, if you, if you only read the law as if this is what you were supposed to do, then what's happening is you're reading the law incorrectly. You're reading God's word incorrectly. In fact, this is why I think, and I'm guilty of this, when we start in January or through the Bible in a year plan, we get through Genesis, it's exciting. We get through Exodus, it's good. We get through Leviticus and we think, well, God wrote the New Testament too, right? And so uh, we, we jump to the New Testament because we forget that God's law isn't just telling us what to do and what not to do, but God's law is actually teaching us. And what it's teaching us is that we cannot keep it. What it's teaching us is that we need a sacrifice. We need a substitute. We need a savior. See, I've yet to meet the guy that reads the Old Testament, reads all 630 something laws and says, I could do that. <laughs> right, I, I, could, I could keep that. I, I think that I can handle that. Right, we know that how ridiculous that sounds. We, we struggle with keeping the Ten Commandments, let alone the 639 other laws. And, and the problem is, is that Jesus, he takes these commandments. And remember, he says that I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. And so what Jesus does is Jesus doesn't take these commands and minimize them. And Jesus takes these commands and raises them, right? He, he says, you've heard it said that you should not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery. He says, you've heard it said that you should not murder, but I tell you that, that anyone who hates his neighbor, anyone who hates his brother has already committed murder in his heart. And so what Jesus says is that if you've ever had a lustful thought and if you've ever had hatred towards someone, you're an adulterer murderer. See, Jesus doesn't minimize these commands. He raises these commands. And what these commands are doing is they are teaching us that we cannot keep the law, but what they're also teaching us is that we need grace. And what they're also teaching us is not only that do we need grace, but that God gives grace. Whatever God demands, whatever God requires, he also gives See, honoring your parents is a command that never expires, which here's what this means. It means that we need God's grace regularly to obey it. Now, it might sound strange that we need grace to obey, but here's how real obedience always happens. Real obedience, the obedience that God calls us to in the scriptures is grace-driven obedience. That we obey because of the grace that we have received. 
right? We obey because of the love that we have received. We don't obey because we hope that it will earn us something or because we hope that it will gain us something. No, we obey because God has already given us his grace. God has already given us his mercy. And so know this, none of us can obey any of the 10 commandments perfectly. And this fifth command may be the best at revealing that. Every person has failed at some point in honoring their father or their mother the way that God has called them to. Maybe even now, maybe there are memories flooding your mind of times when you failed to honor your parents the way that God has called you to. I can tell you at times that, that I failed to honor my parents, but I won't because this service is recorded, right? And my, my parents watch it, and so I don't... Uh, but those memories, right, they begin to flood back into our minds. And here's what we need. We need God's grace to forgive us for when we fail, but we also need God's grace to empower us to obey. Apart from God's grace, you cannot obey God's law. Apart from God's grace, you cannot do what he has called you to do. See, we, we need God's grace, and we see in this command, we need God's grace in two ways. First, no matter what stage of parenting you're in, whether you are the mom or dad of a newborn, or whether your children have just celebrated retirement, no matter what stage of parenting you're in, you need God's grace to be parents worthy of honor. See, we're sinners, and parenting has a great way of showing that. Kids have a unique ability to bring out the best in you, right? To, to bring out the, the love, right? I, I can remember holding each of my kids for the first time, and I had never experienced that kind of love. I had never experienced that kind of joy. I, I remember looking at my daughter for the first time and thinking there's nothing that I wouldn't do it's only a kid that can make you stand up in a room full of strangers and start crying as you talk. Right? It's only a kid that can, that can cause you to, to feel this compassion and this empathy and this commitment and this love. But kids also have a great way right, of doing just the opposite, of bringing out not necessarily the best in us, but bringing out the sin that is already there. Of helping us to realize and to see just how selfish we are. Helping us to see and to realize just how prideful we are. Just how arrogant we are. I can remember thinking when I was without kids, man, my kids, I'll tell you. Let me tell you how you parent. I can tell you this, right? I was an expert until November 10th, 2013. Then I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> See, kids challenge our desire for comfort. They challenge our desire to be right. I think that there's a unique challenge that maybe empty nesters feel, and that's they challenge our desire to be needed. Or what do you do when your kids don't need you anymore? What do you do when they're out on their own? See, God's grace teaches us patience because he's given patience to us. God's grace reminds us that because grace is real, 
then there's always hope even when our parenting goes bad. Maybe, maybe you know that sting of when you, you're trying to be a good parent, you're trying to honor the Lord and the way that you parent, but you just, your sin wells up inside of you and, and you can't handle it anymore. And maybe you, you snap at your kids or you, you respond in anger, you, you provoke them to anger, whatever it may be. And there's no, no guilt quite like parenting guilt, is there? There's no guilt quite like knowing I was wrong. And I, I regularly think, and am, am I messing my kids up? Am, am I doing this wrong? In those moments that we all encounter, and this is true whether parenting or any other relationship, whenever you mess up, there is always grace. Whenever you sin, there is always grace. There is always hope. And may, maybe even some of you, maybe right now you're dealing with a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, maybe prodigal children. That you, you raised them in the fear and admonition of the Lord to the, the best that you could and maybe now they are walking in rebellion. They, they've walked away from all that you have taught them. Here's, here's what I would encourage you with. That they can't outrun the Savior. So, so don't stop praying. Don't stop pleading. Don't stop asking. Don't stop pursuing. Don't stop sharing because God's grace never expires. See, we, we need God's grace no matter what stage of parenting we're in to be parents worthy of honor. Second, no matter what stage of life you're in, you need God's grace to honor your parents. Whether you live with your parents or you don't, whether you, you have a good relationship or no relationship, you need God's grace to honor your parents. Understand this, that this command never tells us to honor parents only who deserve it. He doesn't say honor your mother and father when they have earned it. No, he says honor your mother and father. He just simply commands us to honor them. And I think that there's, a, there's another, another way that we apply this that I think I don't, we don't think about very often, but what does it mean to honor your in-laws? See, I think parents are, or husbands, I think we need to help our wives honor their parents. Wives, we need to help our husbands honor their parents. Right? That, that we, we have been called to honor. Now, this gets tricky here, whether it be with in-laws or any other part of this, because I've been doing this long enough to know that comparison kills. And this is especially true when it comes to family. So I've heard things, I'll be honest with you, I might've even said a couple times, like, well, if my family was just like them, everything would be okay. If my family was like the Smiths or the Jones or the, the whoever's, right, then, then everything would be fine. Look, they have it all together. They've got it all figured out. They, they've got... 3.2 kids, a dog, a goldfish, and a white picket fence. But here's what I can promise you. Their family is just as broken as your family. Their family is just as dysfunctional as your family. See, every family is broken and every family has problems. Every family is dysfunctional because every person in this room is broken. Every person in this room is a sinner. 
Every person in this room has problems. Every person in this room is dysfunctional. And it doesn't work that, well, whenever one sinner and another sinner come together, well, then suddenly holiness happens. That's not the way it works, that when one sinner and another sinner comes together, what happens? Sparks fly. And then whenever you throw kids into it, it's like the 4th of July, right? That, That things get harder and harder and harder. Now, you might struggle because your parents have caused you deep hurt. And I I don't want to ignore that fact. I don't want to gloss over that. I don't want to belittle that. There's real pain that parents can can inflict. Maybe, Maybe you're on the other side of it. And maybe this morning you were acutely aware of the pain that you have caused in your kid's life. Here's what you need to know. Time doesn't heal People don't heal wounds. Things don't heal wounds. God's grace heals wounds. Right? Then not only can God heal, but God does heal. And that's what the gospel tells us. The gospel reminds us that we are all broken and we all fall short. But here's what we can be sure of. That by his grace, God is working. By his grace, God is doing something. And so when we remember our need for grace, what happens is, is we learn to extend it to those in our lives who need it. When we've really encountered God's grace, when we've really experienced God's grace, then what happens is, is we are quick to extend it to our our parents or our kids or our coworkers or our neighbors who haven't deserved it. Because what we understand is that I haven't deserved God's grace. I haven't earned God's grace, but because God has been gracious to me, because I have received his grace, I I can now give grace. I can now extend grace. And for, for some of us in here, maybe the person that you need to extend grace to is yourself. And it's not that you needed to extend your own grace, but, but maybe you need to, to rest in God's grace. Maybe even now, as we've been talking about parenting, you've been relitigating your parenting in your mind. And maybe even right now, you're thinking about all of the things that you did wrong that you should have done right. All of the things that you did wrong that you, you knew you should have done better. I've been a dad for 10 years, and my list of things that I should have done a different way is about that long. Right? I can't write the book on how to parent, but I can tell you how not to parent. And maybe, maybe that feel, that list of things that you did wrong, that you should have done right, maybe it feels overwhelming to you. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus died on the cross for that list. Right? Jesus died on the cross for that. And so if Jesus isn't holding that against you, then you don't have to hold it against you. And sons and daughters, here's what you need to know. If Jesus isn't holding that list against your parents, then maybe you shouldn't hold that list against your parents. That doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes time. That's how the gospel works. The the gospel heals, the the gospel brings repentance and the gospel brings forgiveness. Do you understand this? People will fail us and we will fail them, but we can rejoice in this is that God never fails. Even when we do fail, God never fails. He he loves us perfectly when we don't deserve it so we can love others when they don't deserve it. 
He loves us perfectly, even when we haven't earned it, so that we can love others who have wronged us or, or who we have animosity against or who, who there's a division there. The, the gospel-driven, that grace-driven obedience means that, that I'm free to not hold a grudge because God hasn't held a grudge against me. Instead, he sent his son to die in my place. See, honoring your father and mother, it's a command that never expires. And honoring your father and mother, just as Jesus said there in Matthew 22, it begins by loving God. Loving God with all that you are. And so maybe this morning you're saying, yeah, I could do a better job at, at honoring my, my mother and my father. Well, apart from loving God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you cannot do it. Apart from Jesus and the, the work that he does in your soul, it's impossible to love God with all that you are. And it's impossible to love your mother and your father the way that you've been called to. But also know this, that because of what Jesus has done, there's grace when we fail. There's grace when we fail as parents. There's grace when we fail as children, that there is grace. What Paul tells us in Romans is that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We can say where the effects of sin, where brokenness and dysfunction and pain, where that abounds, God's grace abounds all the more. And so maybe this morning you need to be reminded of God's grace. Maybe this morning you need to experience God's grace. Don't, don't leave this place feeling weary and weighed down and burdened because of how you failed. No, God's grace says that you can leave this place loved and forgiven and accepted with hope for tomorrow. You can leave this place loved, forgiven, and accepted, knowing that even in the midst of your pain, maybe even in the midst of the things that you have broken, God is at work to redeem and restore because here's what God loves to do. He loves to take dead and broken things and make them alive. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, thank you for your goodness. Father, thank you that you have been the perfect father. Father, we, we understand this morning that parenting and family and relationships are difficult and are messy. But Father, we're also grateful that you have stepped into the mess. Father, we, we're grateful that, that you haven't left us to figure all of this out on our own and to do it all in our own power and in our own strength, but that you have come into the mess to fix it and to redeem it and to restore it. So Father, I pray right now, maybe for that, that mother or that father Maybe they're just sitting in here broken over a relationship with a son or a daughter. Father, I pray that they would know your peace that passes all understanding. 
Father, I pray that you would apply your grace to their hearts. Lord, I pray for sons and daughters who, maybe they're, they're trying to figure out how do they honor their parents in this new, this new season of life they find themselves in or, or how, do they, how do they relate to their parents knowing that there's pain and there's hurt? Father, I pray that you would apply your grace to that situation, that you'd give them wisdom. But Father, I pray that for all of us, that you would work your gospel into our hearts. That Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and died on the cross in the place of people like me, who are sinners and who are broken. And that on that cross, Jesus took the penalty for sin. That he died a death. That he was buried, but he didn't stay buried. That three days later, he rose from the grave. And that because Jesus is alive, there is hope for every person in this room today. There is hope for every situation in this room today. Because Jesus is alive, everything So, Father, I pray that you'd help us to know that and see that today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.org.